Hey everybody, it's Emily here and welcome to Healthy Discourse. Today it's just me on the show and I want to dive into a topic that is near and dear to my heart and something that I have many conversations with, especially conversations about, especially with parents, and that is the topic of kids and food. Specifically, we're going to talk about picky eating and or food manipulation when it comes from children, but I want to start with something a little bit different because we need to frame this in order to best address it. And, you know, I want to just tell you a little bit of what has happened since the pandemic started. Um, The obesity rates in our children are staggeringly increasing. So right now, this is from this past August, so over a year, 22% of children and teens are obese, which is up a full 4% from just one year earlier. That is a huge increase in one year, from 19 to 22%. Um, One of the things that I think is most interesting in a not-so-great way about this is that the most dramatic increase in obesity was for kids ages 6 to 11, Now, let's think about kids ages 6 to 11. Are they just kind of going out and buying their own food and just hopping around to the fast food joints whenever they want to? No. They're dependent on their parents and or the schooler who's ever providing for them to provide them with the food that they're eating. And we can talk, we could dive into the many different reasons that this is happening, and we could talk about disparities and access and all that. And those things are incredibly important. And I would love to have an expert on our show to talk about that in particular. But I don't want us to take this monkey off of our backs as parents when we know that it falls to us. We are the keepers of the food in our home. Mom, dad, whoever it is, you go out and you do the grocery shopping for your family. I realize that what happens outside of your home can be difficult to control, and we're going to talk about that in a few minutes, but you are the keepers of your home when it comes to what your kids eat. On top of that, being an adult that struggled with disordered eating, and you can go back and listen to some of my podcasts with Jane about that, I also realize that we need to help create a healthy relationship and help kids to be responsible themselves for what they are eating. And these ages 6 to 11 that we're talking about are really the key times to do that. So this is a very important topic and something that we need to make sure that we are focused on as parents, that we don't just let this slide by the wayside because it does matter. And I don't want to ruffle any feathers, but here's something that I see often. There are moms especially that are incredibly particular about what they put into their own bodies and then literally don't care at all about what their kids are putting in theirs. And I know that we have a ton on our plates in this culture that we live in. There are so many balls in the air and it's very easy for busy schedules to make food fall by the wayside when it comes to our kids. But we've got to start implementing some of these things that we're about to talk about in order to make sure we are setting our kids up for a successful future when it comes to their relationship with food and what they eventually choose to put in their bodies. Okay, so you guys ready? Let's dig in. We're going to go through five 
tips, okay? And, and this is mostly for younger kids. I know that we have a wide variety of those listening in our audience. Um, my kids, our, our oldest is about to be nine, and our youngest is three. And so we're dealing with a little bit of the gamut. And I would say that I am more flexible than I used to be, for sure, which is something that, of course, as they get older, you have to do. So we're just going to dive in. So number one, how do you help your kids to eat healthier and make changes as a family? Or maybe it's just that maybe you are doing great yourself and you're, you know, making good choices most of the time. Number one, and this goes for all of us, limit the options. Okay, so when we go to the grocery store, we do not need to go load up our carts with all kinds of things that we ultimately don't want in our homes. So it kind of seems like common sense, but we all do it, right? You see the chips are on sale and oh, there's this new flavor of this thing that we like and oh, well, I guess we'll just get a little bit of soda because everyone likes it and we're having pizza on Friday, so we'll have the soda with it. We just start making these excuses. So really limiting the options Choosing to keep the junk out of your house is probably my best tip of the day. I even talk about this myself. Like, I don't keep, I love ice cream. I don't keep ice cream in my freezer. I do eat ice cream. I eat it every single week. I love Oreo McFlurries from McDonald's. I actually like Sonic and Cookout better, but they're so big, they kind of make my stomach hurt. So I stick with my McFlurry. And then I can't bring it home and I add some caramel to it because that's my favorite thing. Okay. I have it once a week, but it's really easy to walk to your freezer and get ice cream out. It's a lot harder to drive to McDonald's and make those choices to eat that. And as we're setting examples for our kids, I mean, I tell my kids about that. They know that we don't need to eat ice cream every day, right? We don't need to do that. And it's not necessary to have it in our freezer when we can bring that in as a treat Once in a while, maybe we will get a carton when we know we're going to have friends over and everyone's going to share a small portion. So that's kind of the whole idea, just limiting the options. Okay, so and here's another thing. If your child is a picky eater and they they always demand chicken nuggets, as an example. Okay, what is the best thing to do? Is it to keep chicken nuggets in your house when they're refusing your food because they know there's chicken nuggets there? Or is it to say, sweetie pie, I'm so sorry, we don't have chicken nuggets. This is your dinner and this is what's served tonight, right? We're setting ourselves up for more turmoil and conflict when we keep the things in our homes that allow our kids to remain picky, okay? So... That's just that. It goes for everybody. That's number one. Limiting the options that are in our home. Um, Am I saying to never bring junk food in your home? No, because I really think that has the opposite effect. And then when kids are away from home at a friend's house, at a party at school, whatever it is, they are going to shove it in and overload. Okay, so there is that balance there. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. Number two kind of talks about what I just mentioned, and that is serve one meal. And I know that this makes people upset. This makes moms upset. Well, my child doesn't like this, and they gag, and they do this, and they've got these issues. Okay, listen, I'm not telling you what exactly to do. I'm just saying 
you will create your own worst enemy in the form of becoming a short order cook and a waitress if you decide that you're going to start catering to everybody's individual requests and desires. Okay, so I do realize that this usually comes with conflict when your kids, maybe even your spouse, are used to you, okay, well, you don't like this vegetable, okay, you can have that. You don't like the main dish, okay, I'm going to make you this instead. When they're used to that, it's going to it's gonna take some time. There's going to be an adjustment. So prepare for that, plan for that, get ready for that. If they don't eat that night, fine, go to bed. Go to bed without eating. No child has ever starved from skipping one meal. And it will help them realize that you mean business and that this is how we're going to do it from now on. Now, obviously, you don't want to serve seven nights in a row of things that your kids hate. But if you're actually dealing with a manipulator, which most of us are and most of us have started it ourselves, then it's going to be fine. Okay? I mean, it's going to be fine. Okay, number three, involve your kids in the progress, in the process. Okay? Involve them in the process. What does that mean? Even your youngest kids can go and help you pick things out at the store. Now, I'm not talking about from the the snack aisle. I'm talking about the produce aisle. So go through that and say, okay, we need to pick out five vegetables for what we're going to eat for dinner this week. I'm going to let each of you choose one. And sometimes they'll pick really bizarre things. So one time my kid got radishes from a farmer's market. That was what he picked because he thought they looked cool. And I don't like radishes, but you know what I did? I came home and I had to figure out what to do with them. And we roasted them and they're delightful when they're roasted. They taste like potatoes. It was delicious. Perfect. Great choice. And he was really proud of that. Okay. So, you know, let them get created. I know that sometimes, I mean, one time I took my kid to a store not that long ago and they're like, they picked out some dragon fruit. Well, I did not pay attention and got to the checkout and those things were like six dollars a piece and I was like oh wow I need to pay better attention to this but in the realm of things um and and of course taking them to the store help them learn how to budget okay we need to find five vegetables and each serving needs to be less than x amount of dollars that's a perfect way to teach them math too and teach them budgeting right so another thing if your kids are little um or you're already home, you've got all these vegetables, allow them to help choose. So just like, you know, with kids, little kids, you can eat, you, we can, you can wear this outfit or this outfit. Give them the choice, but not unlimited options. Give them the choice. Would you like to have broccoli or cabbage for dinner tonight? So give them a say, but they are ultimately make, choosing from two really great options, right? I want to tell you a quick story about uh, my adopted son, our oldest adopted son, who is seven, Bryce. When he came to live with us, he had never had good nutrition in his life at all. And interestingly, we thought that there would be a huge fight, but two things happened. Number one, my bio kids set an example. They were just used to the way we eat. And so it kind of quickly rubbed off on him. So that just goes to show you that that influence of what's around them does matter. Is every foster kid going to act this way? No. So please don't hear me that way. I realize there are many issues around food. Um, He was heavily addicted to sugar, but he very quickly began to realize how it was negatively affecting him. So even he was four years old at the time. And he even then knew, knew, he, he realized quickly how 
it made him feel. And he also had never really eaten vegetables. And it was really cute because he saw, again, all of us eating them and he would try and, and the kid would literally gag. He, especially on cabbage, he would try to eat it and he'd eat it very slowly and he would do it because we would encourage him and say, you're doing a really good job, right? You're doing a good job eating that cabbage. Um, and, and just the effort that he was giving. And don't you know that about a year after he probably came to live with us, cabbage is one of his favorite things. There's no problems with cabbage. He still doesn't like cooked broccoli, but anything else I put in front of him, he'll gobble down. It's no problem. So, you know, we give up too easily when it comes to our willingness to try just about anything in the culture that we live in. We, you know, eat a salad and expect to have changes in our body and the way we feel, right? We take a supplement for a week and we expect it to be better, right? We, whatever, fill in the blank. This is just how we work. That's not how it works, especially with kids. They need to try things like 10, 15, 20 times. Don't give up, even if it's just a bite at a time and encourage them and, and, and you will make progress. You will do it, but it takes steadfastness and it takes commitment. And that brings me to tip number four, which is be consistent. So kids are smart and they know how to manipulate you. And if you've been a parent for a, you know, of a toddler or higher than you know, this kids are very good at manipulating us. And they know what works. And so if when they whine or when they refuse to eat or when they do whatever their antics are that they that we give in as parents, then our little monsters that we complain about are really just a product of our creation. And we're all guilty of this on some level because we get tired as parents and we just don't have the fight in us sometimes. I've done it too. Where it's just like, okay, whatever you want to eat for dinner here, just eat it. It doesn't matter to me, right? We And it's okay to have those days now and then. But if that's happening on a day-in, day-out basis, and they're always making their food choices, and your pantry is always open, and you, you know, there's no guidelines or boundaries around food in your home, then you are going to make your life harder. So the consistency that you offer, the boundaries that you offer the guidelines that you offer, and you're teaching them along the way, not just, no, you can't have that because sugar is bad for you. So that's not teaching, right? They need to understand. So the example that we set and the consistency that we practice in our own lives will go quite far in the consistency that we're able to offer them. And when we look at this as a family priority rather than my kids can't eat sugar or the opposite that we talked about earlier where it's I can't eat anything bad but they can eat whatever they want to because that's just easier for me so when we're kind of breaking our consistency there and our boundaries and our messaging is not going to be the same for everyone in the family and that's going to help those master manipulators be even better at their craft okay So our consistency matters. Perfection, never, okay? Never. And that leads me to my last tip, which is flexibility. Okay, so when we are in our home, which is most for most of our meals, when we are in our home, especially for dinners, we 
eat the same thing. The same thing is served to everyone. We all eat the same way. We offer a lot of flexibility outside of our home, which is a not large part of our meal. So we pack our kids lunches every day. Um, so they're having that at school. Now, do they have pizza parties at school? Absolutely. Do we allow them to participate? Yes. They even sometimes earn a dollar so they can buy ice cream on Fridays from school. We allow them to participate in the parties and that kind of thing. Now, I will say one thing when we've gone to birthday parties where there's been a spread of maybe 25 options and they're all sugar or or boil down to sugar quickly is, you know, talk to your kid, assess the table, say, wow, I see some vegetables here, so we'll have some of those. And then what do you think about the rest of this? Like how many of these treats do you think would be good to eat? And just see what they say. Um, on Halloween, as an example, we gave our kids options. I told them, I said, what do you guys think would be a reasonable number of candies to eat tonight? And we had two trunk or treats and one of them was five, I think, and the other was eight. Now, do I want my kids to eat any pieces of candy? Absolutely not. But they created their own boundary. And I, I think that we started with 10 and we ended up at seven, I think is where we ended up, which I could live with, right? It's not ideal. Of course, I want zero pieces of candy, especially with the artificial colors and all the junk. But I was able to compromise and we had a self-inflicted boundary that they came up with and that works. So you're teaching flexibility, you're teaching boundaries, you're teaching consistency, all while empowering them to help be a part of that decision. And we, and it's a, that's an important part of parenting, no matter what we're talking about, right? So, you know, these are things that we can lay out well while our kids are young so that they end up not having some of the same issues with food that we might have as, a, as adults. And it's that fine line between boundaries, consistency, flexibility, and, and that's something we all have to live in and, and wrestle with when it comes to our journey with food throughout our lives. But the earlier that we can start these conversations, the earlier that we can include our kids in the decisions that are being made, the earlier that we can help them realize they do like vegetables, they do like fruit. Fruit makes a great dessert, by the way. They don't need to have, quote, dessert. They, our kids know that, like they ask when they're finished with their food, may I please have a fruit? And most of the time we say yes, and they can pick from the spread that's up on our counter. So, you know, you're giving them, you're empowering them to make choices, but you're giving them the boundaries and the guidelines and you're living it yourself to help them to do that. So I hope that you find this encouraging and not like, and not a, a judgment kind of episode here. That's by no means my my objective, you know, we we want to set families up for success when it comes to overall health. And food is a huge part of that. The fuel that we put in our bodies matters a whole lot. Okay, so thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so grateful for our Healthy Discourse audience. If you have any tips or topics that you would like for us to cover here on the podcast, please never hesitate to send us a message or an email and let us know. And I want to just thank you for listening and following along. We sure appreciate your support. Have a great day.